Ozzy from the British Blacklist. And today I'm joined by the incredible singer, slash songwriter, slash model, slash playwright, slash MBE. Oh, he's got my ref back. <laughs> <laughs> the, the incredible queen, Sheila Tim. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad at all. Um, it's great to see you like in such good health and just smiling so much, considering the gravity of the role that you've just come from. I don't know how you're able to do it. So if you could just give us a bit of an insight into your role in the Underground Railroad. Yeah, so I play Mabel in the Underground Railroad. Um, and Mabel is Cora's mother. Cora's the main character who carries the story. And she's somewhat of an elusive figure in the TV show. She appears in a lot of flashbacks. And she has left the plantation in a kind of previous I don't know how many years it's been but she left and she left Cora behind um, and that is a painful legacy that Cora has had to live with and try and reckon with and it also is the driving force for a lot of Cora's decisions actions throughout the story so see that's the reason I let you introduce it so that I made sure I didn't catch up any of the spoilers <laughs> <laughs> so um you mentioned how elusive Mabel is as a character I also want to liken that to yourself in the sense that you don't have a strong social media presence by choice and is that something that you're able to connect with and channel yourself through her in terms of the distance but still maintaining the presence yeah I don't I don't have social media other than I now have an Instagram sort of a, a profile for people to see what I'm in and what I'm doing but it's less of a sort of communicative tool and more of a sort of digital portfolio, as it were, for people to just keep up to date if they're interested. But I think for Mabel in particular, she is a character who, she feels like she holds a great deal of responsibility, right, on the plantation. She's a midwife. And so she is often tasked with bringing life into the world. And she's bringing life into a terrible world as well. So it's this kind of double-edged sword where she has to make sure that she's, you know, she wants to do the best she can by making sure these babies come through healthy and these mothers are cared for. And you can tell she's got a very nurturing side to her, but that's offset with the challenge of having to deal with the surroundings that she's in and also her being victim of that as well. So obviously that's not an experience that I have directly, but I do feel like I have a responsibility <laughs> as an artist and somebody who is, becoming sort of increasingly a public figure, I guess, if you say. I'm quite private and I like to be very considered with the way in which I am, sort of in terms of my public face, because I want to make sure that I am, you know, presenting the best version of myself. And that's not just for me personally, but I think it's just important um, when you are a figure because people will inevitably look up to you or uh, look to you for guidance or for, as an example, whether you ask for it or not. It's not a thing that I mind, actually, I, I quite like it because I, you know, I feel like I, I take that responsibility on. But yeah, I guess that's how you could tie those two together. Yeah, you tied that up way better than I had it in my notes. <laughs> 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 but yeah, just um, you even um, dwelling on the fact of you being so thoughtful and conscious about what you put into the world as an artist, that also kind of makes me harken back to, I guess, putting this particular contribution out there in terms of the narrative of slave stories, quote unquote, even though I see this more so as a liberation story and a story of motherhood, there will obviously be people in the culture who will have the feeling that we have seen a lot of trauma on our screens and we might want to see something else. But I'm assuming that you'd already fought through that process before you took part in the project. 
So why do you feel like it's necessary to continue to contribute stories that bring this narrative to the present day? I think your observation is spot on that it's not just a slave story. And I actually think that's one of the things that Barry Jenkins really set out to do was to make sure that this was a story about Cora, first and foremost, in a time of struggle. And yes, it's set against the backdrop of slavery, but as you say, it's a story about liberation. There's a lot of hope in the story as well, as, as much as there is pain. And also to humanize the people who went through this terrible atrocity, you know, and to give them more than just being slaves who are lost in the history books as kind of nameless, faceless people, and really do write by them through this story. And I think that's one of the things that Barry has done so well, and, and Colson Whitehead from the source material, the actual book, is to make us really engage with each person's individual story. And also for me, like, I, maybe it's because I'm Black British, I don't know, but I didn't know as much about what it was like once you're free, you know? And actually for me, the story isn't just about getting free, it's about staying free in, in Cora's and, and, and Caesar's journey particularly. So it's not just another slave story in my opinion, it's, it's still endeavouring to, to shed new light and show new, a new perspective. And also I think everything that happens to us in the present day is preceded by history, right? And I just, I feel like we, we saw particularly last year with all the Black Lives Matter stuff that happened, that we are still living in the wake of those times and we are still grappling with that legacy, you know, in, in terms of America, but also all around the world, you know, this was a global industry and, and there are lots of other examples of oppression, particularly race-based oppression around the world. And racism is not dead. <laughs> um, racism is not gone by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. So I do think it's important to tell this story, but I also think it is important to make sure we're telling other stories as well, you know? So I, I agree with that sentiment. When people say, I want to see something else, I'm like, yeah, and so you should, like, we should be able to see both, you know, it shouldn't be either or, we just have to choose every time, you know, so that's, I, th I think it's okay to keep on telling these stories as long as we're balancing it out. I think that's the important thing. Most definitely. I feel like there was a time where we could, as a culture, could only get one film through the door. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time, because it did happen to um, be our only film, we kind of felt like, oh, we need to make sure that we're telling everything. We need to get through all of the pain, all of the heartache, all of the emotions so that people know what we feel on a daily basis. But now that we have kind of opened the door where there's a plethora of stories, we can tell multiple stories and not just rely on the one. But I do feel like multiple stories are needed, including this story, because for every generation that's aware of the slave trade and the Underground Railroad, there will be a generation that doesn't know about it because we have stopped telling these stories. I guess despite the series being based on a novel and a lot of the scenes in it are very uncomfortable to watch, especially um, as a Black person, what attracted you to this role? what you've gained from it, but also what you've had to leave behind. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great. So I think what attracted me to this project and the role overall was, I mean, firstly, Barry Jenkins. I was like, yep, <laughs> I didn't even want to know what it was. I was like, yeah, sure. Then Underground Railroad, I, I was aware of the book. I hadn't read it yet. It was on my to read list. So that was like another tick because I was like, from what I've heard, it's it's brilliant. And then, you know, read the source material and, and read a brilliant letter actually that Barry wrote to me explaining him as an artist and, and what particularly what he wanted to do with this project. And I just felt like for all the reasons that I said in the last answer, this was going to be really special and it was going to be something that was different and it wasn't just another slave show you know and I wanted to be a part of telling that story I wanted to be a part of 
contributing to that dialogue. It's incredibly important as well to work with people who are clearly passionate about what it is that they're doing. And I could just feel that passion from Barry and you can see it in his body of work. Like he throws himself into it and he's got a clear vision and he's got something to say. And it's something that even if it's, uh, even if it's a story that we've seen before, it, it's fresh and it's new and it's got a, a, a take on it that is really unique and really his. You know, I also was drawn to the fact that Mabel is ultimately a mother. She's also a midwife, she's also a slave and she's also other things, but she's a mother. And it's a very complex thing for a mother to leave a child. And that was definitely something that Barry himself had expressed to me was it was a question, a kind of burning question that he had that he really wanted to see if we could find a way to answer it. So, you know, that was what attracted me to, to Mabel, I guess, and the project specifically. And then, you know, in terms of what I gained, so it's a super long answer. In terms of what I gained, I gained, oh, so much. I mean, you know, there's, there's working on the project and then there's the project itself. So the, the working on it, it was such a lovely team, lovely environment. It was my first time filming in the US and it was by far the kind of the, the, my first US production as well. And everyone conducted themselves with such professionalism and humility and friendliness and openness and everyone in every department was just like top dollar, do you know what I mean? Like just so so good at what they do so I, I had the experience of working with people who are you know I, I can't really ask for more in terms of what I what I got um, and that's a kind of professional experience that I will never forget and I really do sort of cherish it was a challenging role and we didn't have a lot of time to shoot my section as well it was kind of quick to do the whole episode in in one go almost so you know I was I was working in the heat uh, and it was hot <laughs> that that Georgian heat is hot uh, in this like long dress with a high collar and like it's down to the floor and long sleeves and I was like oh man you know so there were challenging days and it was challenging material and and again being surrounded by all of these people who I was so in awe of in terms of their talent my, my fellow actors and and cast and the crew and everyone it just made me want to raise my game so much more and really made me value my place within that production you know and then in terms of what I had to leave behind I guess you got to leave your ego at the door. That's one thing. I mean, you have to do that anyway when you're acting, but particularly in something like this where your your character doesn't is disempowered, you know, from from the gate. And there are moments of power, moments of rebellion within that, which is definitely a, a common theme within the story of um, slaves and the slave trade. You know, moments of resistance. Um, but ultimately, they are in this kind of overarching dynamic wherein they they are human property. You know, so. I had to sort of, yeah, leave empowered Sheila at the door <laughs> and find a way to infuse a version of her into Mabel with the given circumstances. But I also had to leave that oppression at the door with the project once I left, you know? Mm. You can't carry that with you. I know Tuso, who plays Cora, has spoken about her process afterwards and how she had to, you know, uh, go to therapy and make sure that she had left that and parked that and that is the work and then this is me and making sure that there's that separation which is really important I think for any job but particularly anything where you're doing something really traumatic mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's like a comprehensive <laughs> answer <laughs> no that that was amazing I thought like yeah, yeah, I can definitely tell that you're an actress and a songwriter because I was like, this question is too long. She's not going to remember everything you just asked. <laughs> but like, you just fed it straight back to me. So um, like, thank you for like playing ball and appreciating the question. Thank you so much. <laughs>
I also feel like it would be a disservice for me not to actually ask, how are you doing like after a role like that? How does that affect you? And how are you doing now? Because I'm not too sure how long ago you were in Georgia and when this was actually filmed. Yeah, so I was in Georgia in 2019. So it was a little mm-hmm. while ago now. You know, we've since had a global pandemic, which was a little stressful to say the least. But yeah, I, I'm feeling okay uh, for, the, for the same reasons that I said, you know, after the job, I'm, I tend to be quite good at making sure that I... I leave it once the job is finished you know that's always been something that I've done for every role that I've done just because I think if I'm gonna be an actor and I'm gonna keep on stepping into these worlds and into these lives and into these people you have to do a bit of a clean out like every time you finish in order to be able to let a new person in and also in order to be yourself again and to have your own life and your own identity you know it's so so important so I think as a kind of general housekeeping rule it's something that I've always done anyway but also I think for me the the process was difficult but I was actually just so excited for the project to come out you have no idea how excited I've been like and not even from a sort of personal career point of view you know like obviously that's that it's nice and hopefully good things come of it but actually just as a fan of the project like I I haven't watched the whole series I've I've only watched the first episode I caved I watched the first episode Uh, but I wanted to wait until the general release right because I feel like it's a moment and it's something that I'm so proud to have just been a part of and I genuinely want to see how it all turns out and I when when I'm filming I'm not somebody who watches the monitors a lot like I don't watch my own performance back because I'm so used to doing theatre where you don't get to see yourself that I I think that works best for me otherwise I'm going to start picking on thing oh my hair looks like this and I did that face you know things that you shouldn't be worried about so it means that I caught glimpses of of what it looked like and I had an idea because the scripts that Barry wrote were so descriptive and illustrated his vision so clearly and I could see you know the team like James and, and and the rest of the camera team were I could see what they were trying to make but I still didn't really know what it was going to be so yeah I, I think that has really got me through and just like immense pride as well for everyone involved like really 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 huge pride there was some some like astounding talents involved in this project and I just I'm just yeah made up for everyone like when you've mentioned like astounding talents and like previous roles I was, I was hoping that you'd do it but now I'm gonna have to embarrass you and just start listing up all the amazing stuff that you've done oh, <laughs> seeing as you've, you've been humble about it I'm <laughs> sorry I'll, I'll try my best not to go too far but, but like you've like your career thus far like the lightning child um you're from the north country like there's just so much such a great body of work that you've built up in what people would consider a short amount of time I just wanted you to maybe like take me back to what was like with your first role and where you foresaw your career happening and by this date what did you think that you'd be at um and are you happy where you are right now because we're happy like I'm definitely happy to see where you're right now (laughs) Okay, great. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm like pleasantly surprised with where I am, to say the least. When I was doing The Lightning Child, which was my first job, uh, mm. written by Trey Walker, directed by Matthew Dunster at Shakespeare's Globe, I'd very much, you know, as I've said in a few interviews, very much fallen into acting in the sense that I, I'd always performed when I was younger. I loved performing at school, school shows, played instruments, singing, all that. But I never considered it as a career, really, until it just happened. And, you know, various things aligned. And, and I was helping out with the workshops for that play. So when time came to put it on the stage, they were like, do you want to be in it? And I was really surprised because I was like, oh, I thought I was just there to help out. And then you were going to get the, the real guys in to do it, you know? So 
But even when I was doing that show, I was like, well, I'd just come out of uni and the stars aligned so that I started rehearsals three weeks after my final exam. So it was a bit of a whirlwind and I didn't really have time to catch up with myself. So I still didn't really consider myself as, a, as an actor by trade. You know, I just considered myself to be doing this play. And then we'd see what happened from there. And I still kind of had ambitions to be a singer songwriter and, you know, as a sort of recording artist and, yeah, there was a lot of flux going on, but I wasn't scared by it. It was kind of exciting and, and I'd, I'd chosen to kind of blow with the wind a little bit. So I was cool with it. And then I got my agent, who I'm still with now, Lucy Middleweek, who I love. And yeah, then we just kind of went on this mad ride of being like, should we just try everything, <laughs> put you up for everything? And I was like, yeah, why not? And I just, you know, I, I got fortunate in that I had lots of, I worked and then someone would see me in something and then I'd work and then someone would see me in something and I worked. So there was this kind of like nice momentum and trajectory that was being built up. And yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, as much as it is obviously fortune and luck that also I, I work hard, you know, and I, I really do give my all to every project that I'm doing. And so I really want to make what I'm doing at that time the best it can be. And then that just leads to other opportunities and, and, I've also been fortunate enough to work with people who found a way to fit me into their vision. That's meant I've been able to play so many different types of roles as well and so many different characters, which is, you know, sometimes for a black actor can be difficult to achieve because you can get typecast and everyone can get typecast, but particularly if you're from a sort of marginalized group, you know, or an underrepresented group. So I've just been really fortunate to have been able to maneuver around that so far. And I hope that, that continues. And that's also something that, you know, when I come to making my own stuff, which hopefully will be soon. Um, I want to be able to facilitate that as well, you know, for other people, definitely. Yeah, like the way that you've been manoeuvring, like you said, and um, being able to avoid being typecasting, but still moving at the same time, because what you tend to see with a lot of people in the creative space is that they might have to take some time out so that they don't take those roles. But if you, like you said, the momentum has allowed you to continue to take in roles that put you in an upward ascension, but also allow you to explore all facets of like your creativity. I was just thinking about during this particular period of lockdown, I already know because I like I've just been doing crazy research and reading a lot. So I know that you haven't <laughs> been you haven't been relaxed in your lockdown. But if you could just humor us, how has your lockdown been? Have you been relaxing and resting and catching up on much needed sleep? I have been relaxing a little <laughs> bit and catching up on much needed sleep. It was a, a kind bit. of it was a kind of me a little bit. It was kind of a <laughs> like I I uh, I think it was it was less of relaxing and more of like slowing down which, which, you know, maybe not quite the same thing. And I, I made sure I went easy on myself because I think that the degree of uncertainty that everyone was sort of plunged into in and of itself was stressful. Even if nothing was, even if, you know, you didn't know anyone who was ill or you were fine or whatever, just, just the kind of every day not knowing what the next day is going to bring is an endurance test, you know? So I, I made sure that I wasn't challenging myself to be creative every minute of every day and I think lots of freelance artists will probably relate to that feeling of suddenly when you've got some time you feel like you have to be productive because you're so used to being the person who's generating your own luck I guess or your own opportunities or making sure you're right place right time and we're taught to be really front-footed and we're taught that like our destiny is ours and ours alone right so if you uh, don't go out there and get it at every given opportunity then it when it doesn't come back to you, it's your fault, which isn't entirely true. There's some truth to that, but it's not It's not the full story. So I had to kind of switch off that knee-jerk uh, reaction and just tell myself it was cool to sit down sometimes 
So I made a list of all the things that I could possibly do rather than to-do lists. I started off with to-do lists and I would just find that I was getting a bit kind of down at the end of the day when I wasn't able to get through this monumental list of stuff that no human being can ever do within waking hours, right? So I just had a list of like some interesting things, some really boring things, some really easy, some hard. And then each day I would just pick a couple of things from that list that I wanted to do based off how I was feeling on that day. So I always felt like I'd had some achievement, you know, or it wasn't a complete zero day. And I did, I was creative as well, but that creativity, it felt a lot more grassroots. It was less kind of geared towards an end goal or like an, an imminent job or imminent project or like working towards something that has a deadline. It was just much more open-ended. So I was, you know, practicing my instruments more. I was, uh, and listen, there was a lot of dust on those instruments. So I was like blowing off the, the serious, like rusty, rusty, like <laughs> I had not practiced my scales. And I was, you know, doing a bit more writing because I'd written a play that I'd taken to Edinburgh the year before in 2019. And that had all been like this amazing experience, but again, very whirlwind, which is a bit of a theme, I think, in my in my life. So it was a chance to consolidate as well and to sit down and, and go, OK, you know, what have I learned over the last seven years? What position am I in now? I, I just picked up my MBE at the end of 2019. So it was suddenly, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so suddenly, like, I'm also in a position of responsibility, again, like I was saying before. And it just felt like I needed a moment, actually, to just sit and work out what that was all about and what I want to do with that. So I had to go at writing as well and, and you know, trying to see what was knocking about in the back of my mind. And I was surprised as well <laughs> that I had ideas and that some of them are, like, really weird and mad, but we'll see if they work. Yeah, so that was my lockdown. It was, it was, you know, I'm thankful everyone was safe and well, and I didn't, I didn't suffer any tragedies personally. But yeah, it was, it was a time of deep reflection. I'd say definitely. You touched on the MBE, so luckily I'm not going to embarrass you by bringing it up again. <laughs> also, the um, Olivia Award, which you haven't mentioned, I wanted to ask about okay. the effect that these. <laughs> congratulations! I know I'm a bit late, but <laughs> no. I wanted to ask about the effect that these accolades um have a new and how they make you feel because you still seem very much grounded very much accessible but like you said it also does I guess give you a sense of maybe validation about the choices that you've made the thing with accolades is they sort of mean everything and nothing at the same time again particularly if you're a person from a, an underrepresented group so I don't laud them as these things that make me better than anyone else or these things that validate my work because ultimately the work is the work, right? And it's, it's gonna exist whether I get that award or not. It doesn't change the work, you know, in, in retrospect, but it does, you know, it makes me feel good and feel like there, there are things to celebrate about the work that I've done so far. It's definitely a, a little kind of well done and a yes, you're doing the right thing, continue. <laughs> and yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important in terms of the optics as well to be able to show people that somebody like me can do this, to be able to, it's not like only once you receive an award does something get written down in history because that's not how it works, especially now that the, we're in the age of information and you can find out everything about anything. But to just have that kind of I was here stamp, you know, is, is nice, I think, for the, for the conversation of representation. Um, you know, I talk a lot about the MBE and about the, the conflict of accepting one as somebody who is black and who is Ugandan, you know, and Uganda was a former British colony. And I actually love reading lots of the articles that people have written who haven't accepted them, you know, and talking about their reasons for why. And I think they're so interesting. 
And for me, it was a choice that I made for various personal reasons, but also because I really did feel like I could do something good with that. I think all awards, you have to just take them for what they are and just be happy that they are celebrations of your work, but not allow them to sort of veer into a territory where you feel like it genuinely elevates you beyond the work itself. You know, the work is the work and you have to always try and return to that as much as you can. But it's also good to, to take stock sometimes and to say, well done. I think it's good to have humility, humility, but I think Brits are also quite bad at just being like, yeah, I did a great thing, you know? And I've, I've been notoriously bad at that throughout my whole life. And I'm only just recently now starting to be okay with saying like, I'm proud of myself, you know, which is a, even then I was like, when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. So I'm on this side of the interviewee's situation whereby I could just push all the light onto you guys and just like yeah, deflect and hide away. So you've mentioned about um, how you'd like to leave a mark in terms of you were here. Um, it's like you are still here. We're very grateful for the fact that you are still here. Happy belated. I know I'm three months late, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in you still being here and your um, contributions that you have, what do you hope that um, people from similar backgrounds to yourself and I guess all backgrounds, everyone that enjoys your art, takes stock of your work and looks at it and what do you hope people take from this that you've left already? Do you know, I have, I have, so I've got a story which I think illustrates this perfectly. I was walking down Oxford Circus, like Oxford Street, a couple of, I don't even know when it was now, the pandemic like messes up all of time. It must have been a couple of years ago. And um, this man stopped me, this Ugandan man, and he was like, you're that woman. I saw you in the newspaper. And I was like, oh yeah. And he was like, oh my gosh, I was, I was talking to my daughter the other day and she's doing uh, her A-levels and she is studying history, but she also really likes acting and she doesn't know which one to do. And then I showed her you because you did your biomedical science, but you also did your acting. And I said, look, this girl, she's from our village and she can do it, so you can do it as well. And I was like, that's amazing because, you know, I'm actually in Uganda at the moment and like, to be able to not just represent black people, but be able to scale it down and down and down and say, I'm representing black people, I'm representing Africa, Uganda, Northern Uganda, my village, you know, which is like a small place. Um, Did you say the name of your village as well? I'm sure they'd like a shout out. Kitgum, yeah. Hey. Um, and then as we were sort of having this really lovely moment this Irish girl came past and was like you're that girl and I was like what she's like yeah you sang that song in that Bob Dylan show and I was like yeah and she said I've just sung your song for an audition for I can't remember which uh, you know a drama school and she said because I was looking for a musical theatre song that wasn't like a traditional musical theatre song but still had all the elements and I found your song and I sang it and so the three of us were just kind of standing in the street having this moment of like Hey! <laughs> and it was really amazing we all sort of parted ways and I, I remember thinking like oh man of course this would happen now when I'm looking like you know, I had head wrap on like no makeup looking terrible just doing my shopping impossible but there, was that, yeah. <laughs> there was something trust me this is all it's all hard work um, there was something really nice about having a moment with this man who clearly had a, a, a close connection with me through heritage and then this girl who didn't at all you know, and, and the two of those worlds kind of colliding, which I think kind of is, is, a, is an example of what you're talking about. Like, it doesn't just have to be black people or Ugandan people or Acholi people, that's, that's my tribe where I'm from. Um, it could be an Irish girl who wants to get into drama school, you know, um, who has decided that she wants to find something that fits her style. 
So yeah, that's a long winded <laughs> answer, but I basically just, just want to encourage people to have a go. I think that's it. I think a lot of my story has examples of me just going, eh, I don't know, but okay, let's have a go. Or saying yes to things that I'm not 100% sure I was actually able to do at the time, but then I'd go away and be like, I need to make sure I know how to write a play. <laughs> so I'm gonna figure that out, or I need to compose a string quartet. So I'm gonna figure that out, you know. I think that's it. I think if everyone can just throw everything at the wall and kind of see what sticks, then whatever happens, you're going to have a good time. You know, I think anyway. Thank you. So there you go, everyone. If you just give it a go, you might get an MBE. You might get an Ibley <laughs> Award. That's not but what I said. <laughs> at, 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 the, at the very least, you will walk away feeling happy and content. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There that, you that's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time Sheila and I can't wait for the rest of the world to see it and also to watch with my friend as well because getting the advanced screening isn't as fun when you watch it by yourself yeah absolutely mm. thank you very much and you're a very good interviewer I'm going to big you up now and put it back on you so that you yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys cut that bit out <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your questions it was really nice talking to you thank you so much